1: Welcome to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick, joined again today by ALF Sydney. You can find them at ALF954. I'm at Ethan J. Skolnick. I want to tell you about the two great sponsors of this particular episode. First, Magic City Casino. Why are we telling you about this this week? Because they've got a big opening coming up this weekend on the 19th. It's called the High J-A-I for Highline, not H-I-G-H. The High is putting a brand new spin on a classic Miami experience featuring unbeatable drink specials, a live DJ, indoor long game area, live High Live, which is a lot of fun if you've never actually watched it, and so much more. The High is going to be Miami's newest hotspot on Friday and Saturday nights. Mark your calendars to live the High Life that's starting on July 19th, and I actually might make it out there to check it out this weekend. Another sponsor of this episode, the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You're very familiar with them right now. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's OneCallEagle.com or call 1-855-5000-LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and traffic tickets with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They'll handle cases all over the state. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. That's onecalllegal.com 1-855-5000-LAW. Welcome to Five on the Floor. A Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. Alf 954 Brought to you by the 5 Reasons Sports Network. All right, let's get to three topics today, Alf. I'm back from Las Vegas. Uh, you're back from a trip yourself. And it's gotten a little bit quiet, so there's some other things we can kind of get to that we haven't gotten to recently. And the first thing I want to hit with you, because this is the most recent, is the waiters um I accidentally traded him in a five reasons sports.com story. I'm not sure why I did that. Uh but the the they, the white side was traded for some reason. I was talking to someone about Dion. I was like, they traded Dion at Hassan. I'm like, wait a second, the numbers don't match on that. Um I think every
2: every member of Heat Twitter has traded Dion at some point or another. So it, everyone
1: it, everyone but Pat Riley at this point. Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so You know, Dion put out an Instagram post. He tends to communicate by Instagram uh, or by uh, stories in the uh, was the Players Tribune, right? Uh, You know that that the rest of the league was lucky he wasn't in the playoffs a couple years ago. Um, And he put out this this photo of himself, and it's a pretty revealing thing, I think, because a lot of guys don't like to sort of address the social media noise around him, around themselves. And Dion took a lot of heat from a lot of people, like. That we know on Heat Twitter and other places, you know, sort of identifying the fat cells in every single picture of him that was posted anywhere. There was the one <laughs> in training camp last year or before training camp that, like,
2: and he was wearing padding underneath his uniform. That one, that one wasn't fair.
1: That one wasn't fair. But then I saw him in person at FIU, FAU, and I was like, well, it's not that far off. Maybe um, it was fair. <laughs> And and there's then this whole back and forth with Dion where. It's like the Heat are playing this – I wouldn't say it's a passive-aggressive game, but they can't make up their minds. Like both Riley and Spolster called him out, but then kind of – particularly Pat sort of criticized the media for calling him out, and you even mentioned that on draft night. What did you make of Dion's sort of – first thing, the shape that he looks like he's in, which is much better. And second, him sort of addressing this directly on Instagram.
2: Well, I mean, he looks in great shape, and that's like a really good sign because – one of the things that could turn this season from a forty two forty three win season to a forty eight forty nine fifty win season is thirty and eleven Dion coming back. Uh thirty and eleven J- James Johnson. James Johnson also lo- looks like he's in great shape. So it- it's 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 uh it's a good sign to see that these guys are here are back and motivated and they are uh in they look like they're in peak conditioning. And if you watched him play last year, they both looked hampered, um, and where you saw it mostly with Dion was on the defensive end. Dion is not a bad defender. Dion's actually a very good defender. Dion couldn't stay in front of anybody last year, so the it was obvious almost that the ankle was bothering him. And if the ankle affected his conditioning, and also just his mindset con- affected his conditioning. Maybe that is you know, that kinda lets you in on what was going on with him as far as his game last year. Uh so to me it's 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 a good thing, right? It's it's uh him acknowledging the fact that it's kinda weird that <laughs> you 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 uh you get mad at people on social media for pointing out that you gain weight, but you are also pointing out in your social media posts that you That's gained nasty. weight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so right. it, It's like, you know, we as fans – now, listen. Listen, I am knee-deep in Heat Twitter. I'm still considered Heat Twitter president. I don't know when that term is up. Um, It's your fault. You crowned me Heat Twitter president about five freaking years ago, and it won't go away. So, I know Heat Twitter can be mean. It can be a cesspool. Um, Social media in general is borderline disgusting most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I would hope NBA players can drown that stuff out um maybe the maybe the criticism is something that drives him he it seems like sometimes he needs an enemy almost right in his mind to get him motivated to get him on track to he needs the doubters the haters or whatever you want to call them um but yeah it it some of the stuff did did cross a line just like it did with hassan sometimes it does with james johnson but if he uses it uses it as fuel going forward i'm perfectly okay with it man but um but I I do think he probably needs to stay, <laughs> to stay away from eat Twitter for a little bit, at least until he has a few good games.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. But look, this is the way that modern athletes handle this stuff, right? Like everything is out in public. Um, you know, he did the story with Rohan for Sports Illustrated, where he addressed some of this stuff. I, I think I think the the thing with Dion and the way that this whole thing is playing out is that like we don't really know what to blame for why he fell out of shape the way he did, right? Like okay, is the ankle injury, and Pat said it was one of the worst ankle injuries he ever saw. But then, like I said, Pat is sort of criticizing him, you know, in the next breath. Uh, Was it, you know, the contract? Did he just get lazy? Because that was a concern. When you look at the way he got out of shape, you could certainly say that, right? Also, I had heard plenty about them being upset with him behind the scenes. So if it was just the ankle injury, then why would they be upset with him behind the scenes unless he wasn't addressing the ankle injury the way that they wanted him to address the ankle injury. So I, I just think all of those factors together, like, uh, you know, it, it's been very confusing, you know, to figure it out. And then you get beyond that and you're just like, okay, what exactly are you expecting him to contribute? You know, are you expecting him to be Dion from sixteen, seventeen, particularly second half of the season where the reality is, Alf, if, if Dion plays those last two weeks, they make the playoffs. Uh, you know, they, I mean, sure. they were, They ended up at 41 wins. I mean, I've criticized his style of play, but he was a driver for them. And it's funny, when I put up this poll about the backcourt and what heat backcourt should start, uh, the one that got – I I had to put four combinations, but I had to combine one because there really were five different combinations. So I think I put Winslow Waiters and Winslow Harrow on the same line, okay? And that ended up winning, okay? So I don't know – I don't know which th- of those people. I think what a
2: lot of people want to see is uh, waiters start the season, right. right? And if he can consistently give you 15 to 18 points per game on efficient shooting and within the offense, I think a lot of people don't want to see him taking the ball out of Winslow's hand. And they all, so if, if you see that, great. If not, um, I think a lot of people are going to say, okay, let's, let's bring in the kid. Let's bring in Hero. Let's have Hero start. So I think you worded that poll perfectly. Because I think most Heat fans want to see Winslow start, Waiter start the season, and if he's not performing up to par, to bring in Hero and let the kids play.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's true. I and, and I think that is why you know again the Winslow options. Oh look, the Winslow option is always going to win in our polls. Uh, people want to see Winslow start a point guard.
2: I and, think Winslow is more of a Heat, uh, more of a Twitter thing phenomenon. When you, well, yeah, yeah, when you're in public, I mean. Uh, I don't I don't think they've quite caught on to how important Winslow is to this team just yet.
1: No, I don't think so either. But I also think that like when you look at the Dragic Waiters backcourt, which a lot of people on Twitter and and others, you know, you know, kind of wanna see come off the bench now. But I mean the, the, the Dragic Waiters backcourt was the reason for thirty and eleven. Like you can look at I mean, and maybe Goran's not the same player as he was. Um and you know maybe you know you know he he's not going to be quite you know as good defensively as he was, not that he was great, but he was average at at least, and you know right now you know he's i don't i think it's hard for him to kind of you know even get to average but i I just think that when you look at at goran and Dion together i think there's there's a reason to keep that together. Like I can say like Eric Spolscher is very much about combinations, right. And routines with that kind of stuff. It's why he doesn't like when a starter is out, like he doesn't put the next best guy in, you know, he'll put up, you know, a placeholder in there, right. Because he wants to keep the bench the way it was, keep Dwayne on the bench, keep
2: others. Yeah. Somehow Duncan over. Robinson starting at power forward. <laughs> right. <laughs> Try to James, figure out why. James
1: Jones was starting at the two a lot, right. Like, yeah. or, you know, and, and maybe it wasn't always Mike Miller. Maybe he wanted to keep sort of the combinations off the bench. And so i i think that there is when you look at it you can say okay it might make some sense and i know Nikias has talked about and he's not even a harrow guy or didn't start as arrows guy but Nikias duncan has talked about starting harrow in the backcourt with winslow giving you the spacing with butler and keeping the Dragic waiters combination together off the bench and that combination might end up playing most of the minutes
2: like a lot of well, games with, whether Winslow's they play most of the minutes or not um when you look at a, a bench of draw let's say you have the bench is Dra- Dragic, waiters uh James Johnson uh Myers Leonard uh Derek Jones Jr. you have i mean you have a solid bench right there let's say Kendrick Nunn Nun comes on i, I mean he's going to make the team but let's say he has a, he has a good season you have a good bench and and we've seen a lot in in the last few years having a, se- a potent second unit i mean look at the Toronto Raptors right Having a potent second unit is very, very valuable, and you you can't just rely on your starters. Like no starters, except for LeBron James, for some reason, play 38, 42 minutes a game anymore. Right. So if, oh, if
1: it's, it's it's load management, basically, I mean that's exactly.
2: That's and to me, if you have if you can have waiters and dragage, healthy, ready for the playoffs, and you can you I mean you can still sneak in there at four, five, or six seed. I think that's the way to go.
1: Yeah, no, I think so, too. And I think we could look at a situation. If you look at the Eastern Conference, okay, so Toronto doesn't have Kawhi, so other guys have to step up. Their bench was already depleted. Uh, Milwaukee just lost a lot off its bench, right? Because Brooke Lopez came back, but no Brogdon, uh, you know, some of the other pieces that they had up front are not there anymore. Uh, Indiana, you have to see how healthy Oladipo is to see who sort of slides into primary roles, but they lo- I mean, they gained good players like Brogdon, but they lost good players like Bogdanovich. So I don't even know if they're as deep as last year, maybe about the same. And so you can look at the heat in the Eastern conference. Okay. So Philadelphia's starting lineup looks great. I kind of like their bench. I don't love it. Um, and Boston, like, I mean, they don't even have a, a, a playable big in the starting lineup, in my view. Like, not not somebody you could play down the stretch of playoff games if Cantor's the guy you're going with. So I, when I look at it, I say, okay, if you were bringing Dragic and Waiters off the bench and, and, and Waiters was playing at a high level, there will be a lot of nights that you're getting 17 out of Dragic and 19 to 21 out of Waiters – and that's the reason that you win a game ninety two eighty seven, right? So, I I think you can make a case for that. Now, is Dion going to be happy with that? I'm not sure. I think it's he, easier to sell that if he's doing it with Goron,
2: maybe. And there was a <laughs> under his Instagram post, somebody put six man of the year, uh-huh. and he uh, he replies negatively. <laughs> towards oh yeah, that.
1: right. See that?
2: Yeah, he's not. You know, and that, and that's one of those things about um, that. Listen, I understand the competitiveness, but um, there's. I I look at this team and there's a lot of guys who want the ball in their hands Mm -hmm. um, that don't necessarily deserve the ball in their hands. Right. Um, And that always just worries me. You know, I, I just, I just think if that's going to be an issue, you know, it's going to, especially because you're sitting there, you're sitting here with a true top dog now, right? The last couple last year and a half, it was Dwayne was a top dog. And Dwayne, you know, as great as Dwayne was, one last dance was great. Dwayne, you know, was diminished. Um, I, think, I mean, I think he'll admit that. But the fact that, um, you know, now that Jimmy Butler's here, it, you know, the pecking order really, really needs to be well-defined because it could, you know, especially what we've seen from Jimmy in locker rooms, it could create an issue.
1: Yeah, that relationship is going to be interesting to track. Um, you know, people were talking about what would the Westbrook relationship look like. Well, Dion is basically Westbrook with less high-end ability, right? So, it, you know, and, and so that's something to monitor. I mean, Waiters and Irving didn't get along very well in Cleveland. Uh, you know, the waiters Drogage thing worked because Goran has no ego, you know. and so, But they had this kind of weird chemistry that no one could really explain, it hasn't really been recaptured, but part of the problem has been when one's been in, the other's been out, right? So, I mean, we, we, you know, we, we talk a lot about Dion being out last year and James Johnson missed time. Goran missed a lot of time last year. Um, I'm wondering also when you look at Goran if the time missed will help him this season because there have been some, some off seasons that he's played a lot of ball, right? And every, every off season with Goran, I feel like he changes what it is he says was going to work for him. Like sometimes he says, I need a rest but doesn't get a rest. And then sometimes, you know, I need to play more. And, and so I've wondered a little bit, even though he didn't start a lot early in his career, whether or not, you know, some of this international stuff and some of the other things, I mean, he's not a big guy and and he plays hard and he's on the floor a lot and he loses teeth and all the rest of this and whether or not Goran was going to start to break down to a certain degree and maybe missing the 30 games last year will be helpful in some way this year. And maybe getting back with Dion will be helpful. I I would like to see them start Winslow and Harrow in the backcourt. I would like to see them go. You want to the do that game one? I, yeah, why not? Throw them out there. I mean, yeah. look, to me, the, the early part of the regular season is for some experimentation. I think you look at, you know, a lot of times Spo hasn't gotten his. I mean, last year, I mean, it was too long. It took like 70 games to get to the right rotation, and then guys got hurt. Um, but I think if you could get to that early and try it. And you and you're setting in stone that Goron and Dion that they're gonna embrace this role. And I'm gonna finish on this topic with this. I don't understand how Dion or Goran can really react negatively to this when they just watch the greatest player in franchise history do it. Like that that's that to me yeah, is the exactly. thing. Like I, I understand Dion is is ten years younger than Dwayne was, but he's also not Dwayne. And <laughs> he's yeah. not Dwayne in this market. And and if they feel like getting him 28 minutes off the bench is the right way to go as he continues to condition himself and get himself back in the, in the kind of rhythm that he needs to get into and play with the guy that he's comfortable with, then I think that's what they should do. So I, that would be the way that I would go with it.
2: I, I the only I the, I struggle with that because I think Hero – hero. I don't know if I'm saying his name right at all. Is it Hero or Hero? I, every, every time I do it, I do it differently. So. <laughs> hero sounds better. I just don't know if the speed of the game, because that speed cannot be replicated in summer league or in preseason, right? It's going to be completely different when the regular season comes along. I think letting his feet get wet for the first 20, 25 games, coming off the bench, playing against second unit guys is the better way to go, in my opinion. Um, And I also think just, I think Waiters, at this point, if he's put in the work in the offseason and he comes in and has a great training camp, He's almost earned the benefit of the doubt to say, "Hey, we're going to put you out there in the starting lineup, see what you can do. If there is an issue, then you know, then he then put put him on the bench. I don't think at this point, because it's also that starting is important to Dion. And these things we talk about them in the abstract. These are these are human beings. As as uh, Dion has so blatantly pointed out, <laughs> that these things affect him. He wants to be a starter. He just I would say give it to him, show him prove it. If you can't, then we bring then Hero comes in. Especially Hero also needs to prove that he can play the NBA game. But so in my in my opinion you evaluate it for 20 to 25 games before you bring in Hero as a starter.
1: See, I think that's going to be harder to do it that way. Once Dion's in the starting lineup, if you yank him,
2: I I don't Yeah, but if he's I, playing if he's playing terribly, you know. But, but but I don't know if he's well. Look, I I just You think he's gonna? He'll play good enough that you can't, to the detriment of the team.
1: I think he'll have moments. I, I, to me, training Look, they need to have a real training camp this year. They didn't have a real training camp last year. I don't know if they're going to FAU or the Bahamas. I don't think that's been determined yet. They can go to the Bahamas this year because uh, you just can't go two straight years, so they're allowed to go this season. But. And they don't really love going to FAU. I know some of the players don't, and all the rest of it, even though they're staying at the nice hotel in Boca. You know, they like to get away and, and all that. So we'll see what how that works. But I want to – they didn't have a real training camp last year, Alf. Like, they they never got to anything that they needed to do for the season. They had – James Johnson was out. Josh got hurt during it, right? Plus, they kind of were yanking – I think they were yanking Josh in and out because – there was a chance he was going to get traded. They had 14 rotation players. They had to figure out who they were going to play like this year. I, it's very important. I think that they go to training camp with a real plan. Like, okay, this, once the, this trade stuff is settled, and if they're not getting Bradley Beal or or not getting Chris Paul, there's no other move. And they know what the roster is like Spolster and the staff. He doesn't have Juwan this year either. So it's a little bit of a different makeup to the staff. They need to figure out, like, okay, this is the group we're coming into the season with. And so I don't know why you would say, okay, we're going to – I mean, he's not a quarterback. I mean, he's not Donovan McNabb. We're going to hold him out and play Doug Peterson. Like, (laughs) if Tyler Harrow is the guy who's going to give you floor spacing, throw him out on the floor at the beginning and get these guys used to it. Get Waiters and Dragic in a rhythm of coming off the bench together and and go into the season with something. Like I said, it is a time for experimentation, you know, but it's also – they they had, in my view, a terrible training camp last year. And I, I don't think it was their fault, but it's, it, there was just no rhyme or reason to it. Every night we watched a preseason game and it was like, okay, what's this combination? Who's out there with who? Like, Let's get to something more consistent. Like, you know who the lead dog is now. It's going to be Jimmy. All right, you know who the starting center is right now. It's going to be Bam. We think we know, as long as he's here, who the starting four is probably going to be. It's going to be Kelly. I guess DJJ may be in there somewhere. Maybe it's James Johnson. But it's going to be one of those three guys. In the backcourt, Winslow's going to start somewhere. We think he's probably going to start a point.
2: What do you think of a Winslow-Dragic combination starting? Would you stay away from that entirely? I mean, I wouldn't, I think by the, by the end of last year, they learned to play a little bit together. Um, They, it wasn't as, it wasn't as good when it was as, as it was when it was uh, Winslow and Josh starting together um, with uh, DJJ at the three, but I mean, it, it, they show, it, they showed a little something, but I I don't like it. Right. Because I, I believe it takes the ball out of Winslow's hands way too much. Not that, he needs his in his hands more than Dragic. It's just that that's the way that Winslow is most effective. And then you're already going to have Jimmy there, <clears throat> who's probably going to want to handle the ball a little bit. I don't see Jimmy as one of these.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Dot com and check out noom's first ever cookbook the noom kitchen for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living available to buy now wherever books are sold
2: super super ball dominant guys who wants to bring the floor up all you know all 90 feet i think he's you know he's more of uh as uh, as they get into the offense he'll start controlling it but um Dragic and Winslow together I just feel like if one of them is going to be standing around too much and you're just not accentuating either one of their either one of their abilities I think the the Winslow and Waiters lineup just works a lot better just because of win, of just because of Waiters ability to catch Waiters was a really good catch and shoot player last year and so was um, uh, Winslow so they, I think they can play off of each other really well if Waders plays within the offense.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's the issue. I just don't want to see Justice in the corner, and I don't think a lot of other people do. Right, let's get to the next topic here. Eric Spolstra. Um, I, <laughs> I had some fun with this. Uh, it was a little boring on the weekend, and so I was just mocking Dan Dockage. And obviously, we have a relationship with George Sedano. Um, but basically, for those who don't know what happened here, Dan Dockage hates Miami. Like this has gone way back um, to. I don't know why he has this thing against Miami. There are certain times that Heat fans, I think, get this bug up their ass about everybody hates Miami, and like they'll say Hubie Brown hates Miami when Hubie doesn't hate Miami. Hubie just always roots for the team that's losing, and so against the big three teams, a lot of those teams were losing, and so Hubie's like, okay, now this is what you got to do here. There you and go. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Now you're only down 17, and and I love Hubie. I've sat on planes with Hubie. I. I've been, on, I've been on a flight with Hubie, and he started to design plays for me. And then we walked off the plane in the Atlanta airport, and I, we both had connections, okay? And he stopped right as you get sort of out of the gate, like past the chairs. He stopped, and then all of a sudden, like, he started continuing to design the play, and, like, people started, like, coming around him like he was a Pied Piper. I love Hubie. Hubie's not anti-Miami. Hubie loves Eric Spalstra, okay? So let's get that one. Dan Dockage is anti-Miami. Dan Dockage has – Dan Dockage would tell you that the beaches in Indianapolis are better than the beaches in Miami. He would tell you that the women look better in Indianapolis than they do in Miami. He would tell you – I've been to Indianapolis. So. <laughs> I've been, he, he, he would tell you that St. Elbows, you need to eat there seven nights a week and have that freaking shrimp, hot shrimp cocktail. Like it's the only restaurant that exists in the entire country. It's an okay steakhouse. It's fine, okay? I'll go to, I'll go to you know, six and, you know down the street here in, in Lauderdale, Miami. That'd be just as good. But he's got this thing with Miami and so Sedano came out with what I felt and, and I told George this I felt it was sort of a little bit of a reach like for his it Miami audience it's was hyperbolic
2: it really uh, was. It,
1: it was I mean he, I mean we're not really getting on George for this as much but he basically said it was not like arguable in any way it's not
2: debatable that not debatable
1: that, yeah. not debatable that Eric Spolstra was not was a was a top three coach like he just that was and it is debatable okay it is debatable, but where Dockage went with it was ridiculous because he called him just a guy and
2: used – He's Brad not a top-ten coach, and he's just a guy. So they both went to two extremes.
1: Yeah, okay, and we're going to give George because more love because he's a Miami guy and he's a friend of the network, and Dockage is a clown. But <laughs> but look, you can't – the Brad Stevens thing, like which is where Dockage went, okay – you know he's not Brad Stevens. He's not Nate McMillan. I'm going to put Nate to the side. Nate had a great year last year, a great year last year, and a great year the year before. And he's also had some not so great years in Seattle and Portland that people forget about now. And he was also considered not to be a great hire when Indiana made the hire and replaced Volgo with him. But let's put Nate McMillan to the side. Can we stop with the Brad Stevens worship, please? Like
2: I mean, it <laughs> like, is what it it started with like uh, the the Twitter intelligentsia. is <laughs> just gone crazy the brad stevens love it just it's out of control
1: yeah and i don't know look brad stevens did a fantastic job alf in building up sort of slightly above average players
2: okay the kind of players that Eric had the past couple of years right? right they were the boston tryhards
1: right yeah. the boston tryhards okay isaiah thomas and jake Crowder. everybody that left there at avery bradley everybody that left boston after stevens coached them got worse okay except kelly He's the only one Kelly stayed the same to got better all of the other because he came to another real coach, but all of the other ones got worse. Jay Crowder was useless in Cleveland. They had to dump him. He was somewhat useful in Utah. Isaiah, the injuries played into it obviously, but I mean, you know, he was an MVP candidate in Boston. Avery Bradley has been passed around since he's been in Boston. So I'm going to give Brad credit for that, but Brad did a horrible job last year. Horrible job. Brad, that was a 55-win roster. I I don't, I don't want to hear about egos and all the rest of that stuff. That's his job. I'll yeah, fix. that's the thing. What?
2: He's a he's a college coach. You give him a bunch of try uh, kids who try hard, and he's gonna he's gonna draw up. First of all, his the whole his whole out of bounds. The whole thing with his out of bounds plays, how mm-hmm. great they are, is overblown. But yeah, he does draw up a nice play here and there, and he is a good coach. But he can't manage egos for shit. No. Like, yeah. look at that locker room. Like you had Kyrie Irving, you had Al Horford and what is, I mean, we're, 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 they were in the high forties when it came to wins.
0: Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's I just, like, I, mean, it's,
1: I, mean, I mean, look, look, again, look at some of the teams that,
2: that Eric won with or won 47 games
1: with like the Dwayne and no one else teams. Right. Like th- this was, you have Kyrie Irving who I, I, I'm not the biggest Kyrie fan, but it's more of a personal thing from having covered him for a year. But like, you can't make an argument that he's anything other than a top five point guard in the league. Like, I mean, right. I mean, he's in the top five. You had, right. You had Tatum and Brown who, especially Tatum who showed you a lot the year before. Now, Gordon Hayward's situation was complicated. Okay. And so, you know, he had to work him back in. He's making a ton of money. He really wasn't ready to play. Uh, He plays the same position as a couple of other guys. He needs the ball in his hands. Get all that. All right. So that was complicated, but he has a very versatile, very valued center in Al Horford. He had, uh, in Baines, he had a very serviceable big. They, they had Rozier, who regressed big time last year. But, obviously, uh, and I'm not saying Charlotte should be the, you know, the example for anybody. But, you know, Charlotte just paid this kid a lot of money because of what he did in the playoffs the year before. Like, and, and you have Marcus Smart, who I have always felt they've overpaid. But he's a valuable role guy on a very good team. Like, that's a 55-win team, Alf. Like, in the East... I mean, t- yeah. tell, me, tell me Milwaukee's roster. I know Giannis is better than anybody on Boston,
2: but tell me Milwaukee's overall roster was better than Boston's. It wasn't. They, Boston, Boston had the best roster in the East, went top to bottom. They, they had those guys that showed out in the playoffs a few years ago and which should have made a potent bench, but it, they, he, would, he could never get that team to coalesce. And so yes, he can he can he can drop a great out of bounds play, awesome. But <laughs> if you can't manage the egos of NBA superstars, then it, what what's the point, right? What makes you such a great coach? This is this is more than just X's and O's. If you want to say he's one of the top five X's and O's coaches, I guess go ahead. You could say that. But when you talk when you're talking about overall coaching in the NBA, because of the stuff that like Eric Spoelstra, Pat Riley. Phil Jackson, uh, even Doc Rivers with the with the Big Three Boston Celtics, and I'm not a big Doc Rivers fan at all, mm-hmm. but he did a great job with that Clippers team last year. The managing of the managing of those huge egos is, is is about as important as anything that you draw up for them to do on the floor, and a lot of guys miss that completely, and they just say, "Oh, you just won with talent." Where's David Blatt, <laughs> right? Where's right. what happened to Luke Walton last year? Um, it does. It's not just about all the talent you have. It's what you. It's managing the egos and what you do with that talent. Some guys are great at it, and some guys aren't.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the other thing Doc had said that was insane, which was anybody can win with LeBron. I mean, we we literally just saw a guy get fired because he didn't win with LeBron, and I I don't want to hear LeBron miss this much time or they had all these other injuries. If anybody can win with LeBron, if you get 60-plus games of LeBron, you make the playoffs, all right? You make the playoffs. I mean, that that was not the toughest Western Conference we've seen. It was good, but it was not to the level that it's been – not the level it's going to be at this year, for instance. And they didn't make the playoffs with Luke Walton, and he got fired. I know he got picked up elsewhere, but he got fired. And so two
2: two coaches have gone with LeBron. Two. So – and and say- I, don't, I don't even know
1: what you count what Ty Lue did. I have no idea. Okay. But- I mean,
2: yeah, ex- exactly. And one looked like a complete puppet figurehead. The other one looked like he actually got LeBron to play in the post, uh, brought out the most efficient, most dangerous, best defensive LeBron we've ever seen. Right. And everybody else has done what? No, I, I mean, mean nobody else has won with him.
1: No, I mean look, I mean Cleveland had him for how many years? We're talking seven years plus four, eleven years, they won one championship. And they won one championship because he basically went nuclear, okay, in, in a final series against one of the greatest teams of all time. I, I this this whole thing, and, and I, I don't really understand it. And, and it's funny to me because he fans bang on Spolster all the time too, and then they get very defensive when anybody else does, right? It's like it's like I can I can kill my own family, but about stuff, but like nobody else can, right? And so I found that kind of comical because like the pro bolster support has never been higher than it's been since Dockage made this comment. Oh,
2: listen, we we defend our own around oh, here, right?
1: <laughs> but wait, wait till the first week where he's starting Dion over Harrow. Wait, okay? Oh,
2: <laughs> listen, then we're and, we're gonna and, go and crazy just, on.
1: And Justice is standing in the corner, and James. And listen, Jock,
2: if James Justice James Winslow doesn't start this year, I think there might be a riot on Heat Twitter. I don't All know right. how that I don't know how that manifests itself in the real world, <laughs> but. <laughs> It'll be a riot on Heat Twitter. I mean, now look how many people used to complain about Tony Fiorentino on the broadcast. Dockage went after Tony Fiorentino, and Heat Twitter went nuts. right? Yeah, he went
1: nuts because that was totally – well, that's another thing that Twitter that Dockage did. So he goes after Tony, and who's going after Tony, okay? But he goes – and I know Tony Tony brought it on a little bit because Tony, Tony called out the tweet. Look, I called out the tweet. Others called out the tweet, but Tony's the one that got noticed. But he said, you know, somebody – you know, that's why you never coached or played. His nickname is Coach, Al. <laughs>
2: I mean, uh, before you before you bash a guy because of your stellar uh, interim head coach run at uh, Indiana, wherever he was, where he got fired after a few games, um, before you start going after a guy named Coach Tony and has it in his bio, like do a little bit of research. And then he tried to delete the tweet. Now, I think both of us screenshot it. No, we twi-
1: screenshot it and threw it back out there. <laughs> well, no, I, I love doing that stuff. But the, I mean, the other part is, like, his his stellar career at Bowling Green. Like, I don't want I don't want to criticize Bowling Green because that's Jason Jackson's alma mater. Uh, but they didn't go anywhere with Dan Dock. It's, and somebody made the point, I forgot the name of the player he had, but he had, like, one semi-elite player. And, you know, he was making the point that, you know, Spolscher's never won anything without LeBron. He had, like, one semi-elite player in college, and he won two out of every three games. Without that player, he lost more games than he won. So, uh, look he got everybody worked up. He got attention. He's also a radio host and all the rest. But, the, the, but before we close on this point, you know, what I want to get to on this, it's not that Eric Spolster is infallible. Like nobody's saying that. I don't think he had a good year last year. And said I, don't, I don't
2: think he ended. I don't, I I have a lot of problems with the way that year ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean the last quarter of the season, that should have been a playoff team. Um, there's really no reason why that wasn't a playoff team. Um, well, they'll
1: blame they'll blame the injuries. I blame you know what I blame for it. Well, when Detroit here's my thing: when Detroit was a playoff team, then yes, it should have been a playoff team. When Orlando was a playoff team, yes, it should have been a playoff team. When you had when you lose to Atlanta as many times as you lost to Atlanta, when you lost to Charlotte as many times as you lost to Charlotte, like that kind of stuff can't happen, okay? But I think it was more product of the dysfunction, and I don't think it's intentional dysfunction. But I think the, the, it's a product of the roster being effed up, okay? And and sort of the different pages that different people were on where there were certain people you had to play and there's certain people you should have been playing. I think Eric probably would have wanted to play more. And I think they got caught up in that a little bit. But he did not have a great year last year. But I don't think they underperformed significantly. I, I think, like, like we say, Brad Stevens underperformed last year. Like, he clearly underperformed, uh, like by 8 to 10 wins at least, okay? But... When you look at Eric Spolscher's career, I don't see an underperformance year like, that, that really stands out. Like, okay, the first two years, he didn't underperform. That team made the playoffs with just Dwayne Wade. The big three years, you could say they underperformed by not winning the title the first year, and the expectations were ridiculous, but they made the finals. Like, okay, and they made the finals, and then LeBron effed up, okay, more so than Spolscher did. So the middle two years, the big three, obviously, they didn't underperform. The fourth year, they got tired. Did they underperform? I mean, Dwayne wasn't healthy. So, I don't know about that one. The only one I could point to, perhaps, Alf, that they underperformed.
2: The pre- air conditioning underperformed. That's the air I mean. conditioning.
1: <laughs> the only one I think that, that, that maybe you could say they underperformed clearly uh, was 1415. But then when you look back at that roster, he had Justin Hamilton at Beasley, had no choice. Michael Beasley, Justin Hamilton, and Henry Walker. Henry Walker. No, there's
2: no. 1415 was with with a shit show. I mean, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't believe him for fourteen, fifteen. So, a, so,
1: so, is this past year the only one he's underperformed? Because the forty-one and forty-one year when he had the thirty and eleven, and 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 the eleven and thirty, he
2: overperformed that year. He overperformed, to, right? To the chagrin of, <laughs> of many a Heat fan. You know, what year, um,
1: you know, which year I think he was underperforming was the the fifteen, sixteen team at the break with Bosh was underperforming. Okay, they were like four games over five hundred. They were supposed to be better than that, but they they outperformed in the second half without Bosch with Dang at the four.
2: And he's um, always been, a, it's, he's always been a second half coach. Yeah. Um, th- I mean, the heat surge in the second half. It's only, it's, it's his, I think it's like April, uh, March and April, his record is great. Um, that's what was disappointing about last year where they actually, you know, they took, they, they took a downward turn at the last half of the year and yeah, we can keep talking. We can talk about um, injuries but I just don't think there was anything significant enough for you to miss out. Like you said, Orlando, Detroit, it it just, to me, it just didn't make a lot of sense. But listen, at the end of the day, the way it turned out was fine because I don't know if I wanted to see a first round exit for Dwayne Wade. I really don't. Um, The way that the way Dwayne's career ended was absolutely perfect. So I know, I know that doesn't go into what, uh, Mm -hmm. into the coaching aspect of it, but I, I felt like, you know, we all walked away from last season satisfied but now I think Heat fans really, really want to see more.
1: Yeah, and I think you, you will get more. So let's tease this. We're going to devote an entire future episode to this. But let's say right now that nothing else happens. No Chris Paul, no uh, Bradley Beal, that this, this is a the group they're going to take into the season. Okay? Um, where do you have it right now?
2: I said on Twitter that I would consider the season a failure or a disappointment if they win anything less than 45 games. And I and I and th- most people agree with me, which I was surprised by. But I just think when you look at the team last year and how well they played, when Bam and Kelly played together, um, when you played the kids, that should provide a blueprint for this year. And now you're taking away Dwayne Wade, who was great for them last year, but let, as we said before, he was diminished and you're replacing him with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, you should be able to get to 45, 40, between 45 and 48 wins. That, yeah. I, and, and a four but anywhere from a four to a six seed.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's their window right now too. And uh, I think it may be higher. Um, and, and the reason I think it may be higher is because they have experience doing this where they shape a team around a star. It's much more comfortable for them than it is kind of trying to build up with a bunch of B-plus players like they've been doing the last three years. Like everything needs to fall in line. And I think now there's – the biggest word I'm using for this Heat team this year is there's clarity. There's yeah. clarity at who the star is. There's clarity at who the starting center is. There's a little more clarity about what justice role is gonna be. We'll see if that actually plays out. There's more clarity about what you can get from Derek Jones Jr., there's more clarity about how many minutes Kelly is gonna get. Like this, there's a clarity. Last year there was no clarity. And again, there's no bigger Dwayne Wade supporter on the planet than me. But he was a flat player last year. Okay? He was a flat player. Like in terms of like the metrics, he was flat to slightly below. Okay. So you're adding Jimmy Butler. And I really recommend. I've been putting out this series. I'm calling. I should have called it, uh, uh, you know, Buckets Backstories, but I called it the Jimmy Crown. <laughs> but I may change that for the rest of them. But I did two episodes already. One with John Krasinski. Uh, we covered the Minnesota years, and one with Casey Johnson, who's the best, and we covered the Chicago years. And I've got Sean Hyken coming up in the Chicago years too, and probably probably Vinny Goodwill, and I'm going to get somebody from Philadelphia also as we continue to do this. But the one thing that really struck me when I was talking to Krasinski. In Minnesota, and he is, he is the authority on the Timberwolves. And he basically said to me, he said, People don't realize how good Jimmy is. He said, I, I think that's gotten obscured in him getting traded, in, in sort of the issues he's had with teammates and all that. But when Jimmy Butler is right, he's a top 12 player in the league. And that, in terms of what he can do on both ends of the court. And I think Heat fans are – he's not LeBron James in his prime. We're never going to see that again here. Okay, that is – okay, he's not Dwayne Wade in 2008. We're not going to see that again every year, okay? But he's a damn good player on both ends, and he's going to make other people better. And I, I think we may be sort of under shooting a little bit here. I, I know you said 45 to 48. I, I think they could be 47 to 51. I really do. I Do you that's think this going to be
2: a 51 team?
1: I think there's a chance of it. I think if some things break right, if Bam becomes what I think Bam is going to become, if justice, you know, settles into a role, if they get something significant, if they don't trade waiters and Dragic and they develop into a bench backcourt, I mean, again, all these things, I'm putting all these things into categories, because you can put them into categories. Instead yeah. of last year, we have six two
2: guards. One of those,
1: one of them is making nineteen million dollars. I mean, we have you, no forwards on the roster. Like
2: I, this is the first time the death chart has made sense in a while, right? It's yeah. It's usually it's been a it's just been a crapshoot. And to me, I I agree. I, I see where you're coming from. My thing is, a lot of this hinges on waiters being waiters being 30 and 11 waiters Mm. accepting the role that he's given and James Johnson those two guys are my biggest x factors if those two guys can be who they were for the heat and can play a a big role when they're playing 2025 effective finish efficient minutes a game that Mm. completely changes the complexity of this team this team turns into a kind of top heavy team with one superstar to a very well-balanced, very deep team very quickly, if that's the case.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I, I, just, I, have, I just have a very optimistic feeling about the organization, uh, which I have not had in about three years. I just feel there was competence to what they did this offseason. And, again, clarity. That That's the biggest word. And that's the thing that a coach needs, getting back to Spolstra. And that is the thing that worked against Stevens a little bit this past year. But Eric didn't have it at all this past season. And I, I just want to see him now with clarity. Um, you know, I did see him out in Las Vegas. Again, I wasn't around a lot the last year, but just seeing him, he seems re-energized to me a little bit. When I talked to some others in the organization, they all seem re-energized. Like It it had to change, right? It had to change in some significant way. It has. I think that's positive, right? Check out more episodes You know, during the week. Obviously, we'll be doing more of those Jimmy Butler episodes. And if there's ever a Jimmy Butler press conference, I was told there will be none this week. I know he's been in Europe, uh, but if there's ever a press conference, we'll have coverage of it and we'll talk to you soon.